Hello and welcome to the Matt's Movie Reviews Podcast. I am your host, Matthew Perkovich, and this is episode number 578. Releasing in the US on December 12, on digital and on demand, is Under the Influencer, a dramatic comedy in which a successful YouTube star named Tori undergoes a quarter-life crisis when her online brand struggles to maintain its popularity with a younger audience. Featuring a charismatic lead performance by Taylor Scoss, Under the Influencer is a charming and at times poignant exploration into the humanity of those behind the screen. And joining me now to talk about Under the Influencer is the film's writer and director, Mr. Alex Foyer. Alex, how are you? Great, Matt. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for coming back on. We we're just talking um, off um, offline before about how um you were on, well, I think it was like 2018, 2019, maybe yeah, when Prodigy came out. Yeah. And um, you, I love Prodigy and to see that you had another film up and running. I knew I just had to talk to you about it. And under the influence, um, it's a really interesting work, and and just listening to some interviews that you've done, and some um, some uh, and, and, li- and reading some interviews as well. Um, it comes from a, a certain place of I want to call it uh, uh, you know biographical, but certain points of experience in that you actually worked for a YouTube YouTuber for like a, a number of years, and I was really curious about when you approach a, a job like that. Is there judgment? Is there perception into that kind of profession? And when after you've done a working with a person like that, which from what from everything I read has been was a very positive experience for you, um, does that kind of frame the way that you wanted to create the character of Tori and the approach to her profession? Because I don't know about you, when people hear influencer, there's certain characteristics, a certain kind of uh, uh, negativity, the certain perceptions that people have. So I'm just wondering if that was something that you had to go through yourself. Yeah, so that's a great question. Um, I guess I would start by saying that, yeah, I'm very aware of those perceptions of what, you know, an influencer is to people. And I think that that's part of the reason I felt like this would be an interesting story to approach because I wanted to capitalize on those preconceived notions people had about, you know, what an influencer is and what they do. And, you know, that we're, a lot of us are kind of like uh, arm's length <laughs> about these people that we think are kind of, you know, uh, taking advantage in some ways of, uh, of, of, of this like rising new platform um, and not necessarily having to engage in life in the same way a lot of us are. Um, and so when I went into work with this young lady who I worked for, it was, uh, I went in with, I tried to go in with an open mind and I, you know, she was a very big, she's a very big, she was a very big YouTuber at the time. And so I thought, oh, we'll be able to like have the resources to actually you know, do this uh, professionally and, you know, hire crews and and <clears throat> have teams and, and, and work the way you're kind of supposed to in terms of production as it goes. Um, I was very quickly disabused of those notions when uh, it, it was actually more like the the stereotypes than I than I was expecting it to be. I was kind of expecting to have that uh, have that veil kind of pulled off my eyes and see who this person really was. And, and I think that I did to a certain extent, but it was also very much, you know, she very, very much was this uh, character that, that lived this life outside of reality, uh, you know, and, and would kind of meander through her days, you know, uh, in, in whatever way she pleased. So <clears throat> I would say that uh, I, I was, when I left the job, I, I thought she was lovely as a person but I think that my main observations uh, throughout my year working for her were 
I, I, I was really raised a, a major sense of sadness for me because of her isolation and the fact that like, when you really get into it, like she has a very, you know, she had a very deeply cynical view of interpersonal relationships uh, from my perspective, because for 10 years, you know, all anyone had come to her for was what she could provide them, you mm. know, what, what, what they could take from her. So that was something that I found really interesting. And, and I, I mean, I'll be clear. It's not, that was, when I left that job behind, I, I did not think I would return to that world. It was kind of like, I want to get back to telling stories in a more proper way. Um, <clears throat> but um, I saw this old French movie, Cleo from five to seven, which you've probably seen, um, which is just amazing. And it reminded me so much of her as a character and uh, the way that character is kind of handled and not allowed to do things for herself in this kind of, again, same way meandering through this existence. Um, and I really thought that that would be a, a fascinating way to, you know, structure something that if it had that like modern context of my experience with this influencer could create something that was, that was really an interesting and unique update on, on what that movie was able to do um, so well. So that's kind of where the idea blossomed from was seeing that and being reminded so much of, um, of her as a character um and and that's where that kind of grew out of the character of tori is really interesting in that we're dealing with almost like a, a few different personalities in in the movie in regard in, but it's all in the one person the online personality the person behind the screen and then there's another kind of parts of her as well that show up in the movie and i think it's, it was really important for trying to find the right you know actor right actress to play that and taylor scorsese i think did a fantastic job in this movie and i think what's so yeah. really appealing in regards to her um, is that there's a, a charisma to her. You can yeah. totally tell why people will be drawn to watching Tori as an online presence because charisma is such a big part. That I think a lot of a lot there's a two factors I think that differentiate um really successful YouTube people from those who who don't quite get there. Number one is a, a charisma factor. It is the reason why you want to watch them in the first place. And number two, um, they look at their um you know, online presence more as a business than more than anything else. I think that's a kind of like a really important way to go about it too. Um, and and then Taylor, how she does Tori in, in the film and getting all those layers right, especially that charisma part is so so vital. I think to making that making that sing. But when it comes to casting, that it was hard to try to find your Tori, or did you know Taylor from beforehand? How do you kind of get her into the role um, and and get her into the shoes of Tori so well in this movie? Yeah, it's uh, like she's she's fantastic. You know, I, I, you know, I absolutely lucked out just finding her in general because, you know, I think she's, you know, gonna very soon be unattainable for a small movie like this. Um, just cause I think she's such a great actress. She's so, so talented, um, and made my job really easy. I had actually cast her in a, a short film that I was trying to make during COVID that never ended up materializing. Um, and so when I started this process, I knew I didn't really have the money to go after like a, a star, but I knew that I needed, like you said, I needed this kind of this personality that would explode off the screen um, in order to actually make this work. And also, like you, I think you, you keyed on it a little bit, too. I, I also think it's important that, again, she's she's this character that I want people to be a little repulsed with at first. but again, you can't help but be drawn into her kind of orbit. 
Um, and that's what I think is really important about it is because we really wanted people to be uh, a little, a little iffy at first and then slowly start getting invested in, and, and intrigued by, by her and, and, and what her world was. So I knew I needed to find an actress that could do so much uh, in order to make that happen. And so I did a big, a, a huge process uh, of searching, you know, we got thousands of submissions and I, I sent it to Taylor um, right when I was posting it and said like, look, I want you to audition for this. But I, you know, I didn't know the, the role I had cast her for was way different from this. So it wasn't, I, I wasn't necessarily convinced that like, oh, she's, she's going to get this, like this personality part of it right. Um, and so I had the actresses really do three separate tapes for me with kind of the different parts of her personality. Um, and that's the way I, I, I kind of whittled it down to the finalists. And then, and then I, I really in the, excuse me, in the, in the callbacks, I wanted to make sure they could really stretch emotionally. And so we, we kind of pushed into one of the more emotional scenes from the movie and, I mean, Taylor nailed the, all the big, the big loud, you know, influencer e personality bits um, in that first part. And so that made it easy for me to call her back in. And, and the emotional stuff was the stuff I knew she would be able to do. And so once I had her at that phase, I was kind of like, oh, I bet I was kind of like, I, I would just, I'm kind of thinking she might be the one. Um, uh, but, and then she just obviously nailed that as well. Um, and this really was this incredible collaboration between the two of us, uh, where we were just, you know, working on the script for uh, back and forth with each other. We sat down and went through the whole thing, top to bottom, just exchanging notes, talking about the character, where we're at at this point in that. And then and then she was there for rehearsals of every scene with all the different actors that are in it um, to just like really, really buckle down where we needed to be so that we could you know accomplish the the movie on you know we're, we're still a pretty small movie so we had a 13-day shoot or something so we needed to we needed to be on point when we were on set and taylor made it super easy because you know there was hardly a there was hardly a take where i had to say taylor do it again you did that part wrong because she she uh she was she was on point all the time something else that was on point i think is the um choice of costume in the style of the character the look is very distinct vibrant i don't know yeah. why but when i was watching uh, taylor as tori i kept thinking cotton candy because of the pinks and the blues that kept showing up all the time yeah yeah um i was like oh i got a sweet tooth all of a sudden um yeah well i mean it's that and, that, that kind yeah. of like junk food aesthetic i think is is, is spot on because i feel in, like uh, kind of what we're yeah. presenting and that's because because uh, that sweetness right kind of kind of pops off the screen and the vibrancy as well. So when it comes to putting that together, did you and Taylor kind of mess with different looks, or did you know what type of look you wanted to go for with in regards to Tori? Yeah. So um, my <clears throat> my costume designer, her name's Anna Gregorian. Um, she you know you know has worked with me before, and she's like a miracle worker. You know this movie was. I mean, enormous in terms of the 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 demand on the costumer, <laughs> because there's like I think Taylor herself has over 50 looks in the movie, mm -hmm. and they all have to they all have to be big and loud. A lot of them. I mean, the the vast majority of them are these kind of vibrant looks. So yeah, we we talked a lot about that, and we and we went through the color palettes, and we tried to 
tried to always uh, be mindful of how she was bouncing off the other characters in every scene um, and what, you know, how we would differentiate her between uh, other characters um, and, and between her and her, the other sides of her own personality. So it was a, it was a vast and extensive process. And like, again, that's the kind of thing that, you know, <clears throat> when you can find the collaborators that can make that work for you, it's like, that's what makes, to me, that's what makes this movie feel like a much bigger movie than it actually was, was because we really had the people that were invested in the important parts. And I think that the costume design and the production design specifically were, were the specific parts that I knew, like, we have to get that right. Otherwise it's going to feel cheap and it's not going to feel like, um, like realistic to the story we're telling. The Matt's Movie Reviews podcast is brought to you by Tee Public. Tee Public is the world's largest marketplace for independent creators to sell their work on the highest quality merchandise. With over 1.2 million designs, Tee Public is sure to have something you will love. The Matt's Movie Reviews podcast is brought to you by Gift Card Store. Australia's leading provider of gift cards, Gift Card Store offers a variety of prepaid MasterCard and Visa cards in physical or e-card format. You can even design your own card as the ultimate personalized gift. With Gift Card Store, you can gift the gift you know they will love. Please support Matt's movie reviews on Patreon. Get access to exclusive content, request movie reviews and top 10 lists, and help support my work. Please click on the Patreon link in the description below. Speaking about the film's look, it's really interesting in this movie how when a third act hits, there's a switch. Um, I think I heard another interviewer say to you it's kind of like a record flip. Um, and that is kind of true stylistically. Um, did you change the way that you use cameras and stock in regards to that? Because I could kind of tell like a graininess, a more natural kind of to it, as opposed to the, the Tory bits um, had a more kind of synthetic kind of feel. I think, and, and I know why you were doing that, but how? But that was really something that you wanted to really do from the beginning. You wanted to make sure that, that uh, the visual approach to those two sides are very different to one another. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that was something I was adamant about from the jump is that, you know, I knew we were going to take this big swing into the third act um, that is is totally and totally very different than the rest of the movie. Um, and so I didn't want to I didn't want to feel like we were in the same world. I wanted to feel like we like we broke out of that world and we're in we're in kind of a different story at that point, because I really felt like it was important not to not to try and hold on to that same aesthetic that we um that we were that we built throughout the the early parts of the movie um and yeah i mean we basically jumped from a very clean digital look to a like a 16 millimeter you know um vibe in that last in that last third of the movie um and i i what i told my dp and you know the kind of the way we ended up deciding on the style was I said to him, like, I don't want this to just to feel like a, a subtle switch. Like I want, I want somebody who, who doesn't, you know, isn't a movie person to be able to say, this is different. You know, I want my dad to be able to say like, was well, something's something's different here. Um, and so that was, that's, that's where I was. I wanted it to be a, a big jump. And, and I was really pleased with, um, again, my DP was amazing. And so I was really pleased with the the way we were able to 
test test some things out and, and find an aesthetic that feels more raw and, and natural, but also like a little more dreamlike in that in that last act. Um, because I felt like it was it was important for it to have a, a totally different aesthetic than the world that she had built up for herself. Um, that clean, pristine, artificial, like you said, look um, from the first two acts. There's something that comes up in this movie when I was watching it um, in regards to this kind of like persona that um, that uh, Taylor's character has. This almost old Hollywood, classic Hollywood kind of like um, personification of of ego that kind of shows up now and again. Like whenever she's um, feeling down, like the ego is kind of like, "Hey, look at your numbers. We've done billions of things, Bob, and all that kind of stuff." And when I was watching it, the, what evoked, what what came to my mind straight away was Sunset Boulevard, um, the William Wyler movie, um, that Gloria Swanson plays um, uh, Norma Desmond in that film. And for anyone who hasn't watched Sunset Boulevard, I could really highly recommend. I know some, I'm, I'm noticing lately some of my demographics getting a little, a little lower. There. So any of the youngins out there, please listen and watch it. Because that was like, to me, the ultimate kind of movie where um, the one star fading away as she's getting older and such right. was that movie sunset boulevard influential in any way in how you wanted to kind of portray not of course the the, the look of the film but at least the psychology of the character of, of tori in in the movie absolutely so um, <clears throat> i had taylor watch that movie uh when we when we started and you know i was i think we even i think there's even a direct i think there's even a direct reference to it when she says the first she, time she we says but she said, "I got the quote here actually because I wrote it down. We're yeah. big. It's the platform that got small. That's it's a, the platform that's a that got small, right? Exactly. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. I thought that was a really fun way. And I, I just that was one of the first early ideas that I had to that I thought would make this a really fun play on things is to give this, you know, bubbly, you know, bubblegum, cotton candy influencer this ego that thinks she's this kind of like." Hollywood starlet from the, mm. the you know the, the the glory days of of the golden era of, of Hollywood and and you know so I I wanted her to be some kind of mix of of Gloria Swanson and Catherine Hepburn or Audrey Hepburn or you know just kind of like those old you know really <clears throat> really vibrant and and just kind of undeniable kind of stars from the past and I wanted I loved the idea that this YouTuber would have this ego driving her that like fancies herself on that level. Um, because I think that that's, I think that that's something I observed. I, I talked to several other influencers too, and, and had this observation is that they really did think that they had something, even mm. though their even though their time kind of came and went, they thought like, they all said the same thing that like, I knew I was ahead of the curve, you know, in terms of driving the platform and the and the content that was coming out of it uh they they all believe that they have had this magic bullet and and i thought that was a funny way to kind of materialize that uh, and i just i i immediately attached onto the idea that like yeah she's got this ego that that fancies herself uh much much more glamorous than she actually is in real life um speaking of hollywood there's a part in the movie where taylor is um showing this guy around los angeles um in the third act and he's kind of really dismissive of the city at first he's like it's just a bunch of highways in between dirt patches and she's like well right. it depends where you go it depends what you look at and i think what's interesting to me is that 
I love watching Los Angeles movies, and especially, I don't know why, I love watching those Los Angeles movies that kind of delve away from the more kind of cliche kind of things and go to, into the areas, into the places, and the, and the history of, 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 especially of, you know, the entertainment industry. I mean, that's the Dream Factory, right? That's La La Land. That's, that's, right. that's where it is. I know you yourself aren't a California native, but you live there now. Is that right? Yeah, I've lived here for, gosh, you know, and, and, and almost, what, 18 years or so, so... Yeah, it's so like when you, half my life is now as a Los Angeles, an Angelino. So when you come to LA, when you or that eighteen years um, eighteen years ago, what are your perceptions of Los Angeles at that time? And the way in, in the way that they kind of debate what Los Angeles is in the movie is that kind of like yourself, like when you got here and you're like, look, it's nothing here. But, but then as you're there for a little while, you're like, you know what? Down there is where so-and-so happened. Over there is where so-and-so. There's this thing yeah. here, there's things at nighttime, at midnight. This, you know, place is usually gridlocked. You can drive through it. It looks great. The lights are out. I mean, was that something that you had to experience yourself? Yeah, it is. It's absolutely a conversation with myself. Uh, and it's, but it's funny. It's kind of actually reversed. It's like when I first came to Los Angeles, you know, I was in college. And so I was at, at school most of the time. But then when I would venture out of that area, it was always to go to the, you know, the more glamorous areas of, of LA, <clears throat> uh, you know, that you go to when you're, you're going out to, to do something here or there. So it, and I, that was something in the movie she talks about, you know, I sometimes I would just drive at night. I would drive down to the beach or just drive, drive through downtown. That was like right by, you know, my school's USC is, is right downtown. So I would drive up, you know, up the 10110 and that's where these again the buildings of downtown really are kind of built over that highway and it so it really does have this very dreamlike quality of of driving through this kind of this passageway into the this big new enchanting world um and his perspective is probably more what my idea of LA is now uh-huh. um <laughs> which is I've been here for too long and I've seen I've seen everything now, and I know that like those glamorous areas aren't aren't the the majority of it. It's it, a lot of a lot of it's just crammed together and and messy and uh, you know too many people and um, so I I I think that it's it's a city that holds a charm and a wonder and that's that's totally undeniable. Um, <clears throat> but like a lot of people, once you've once you've kind of been here for the longest time, you you start to see it for you know for the the dirt beneath its fingernails uh a little bit more and, and so i think that that was that was an interesting scene to write because that was always something i had kept in my mind of the that how kind of magical it felt when i was young and and i would go and and make that drive and and you know it would feel like i really am somewhere that's bigger than where i came from <clears throat> and and that was that so that was something i obviously incorporated into the movie it's really interesting how I know we're near the end of 2023 now, and a lot of the interviews I've had this year, something that's come up quite a bit is just like how much um, of a struggle a lot of filmmakers had because there was COVID and then the strikes and then, you know, a lot of other stuff too. Um, now that that stuff is pretty much hopefully behind us, um, yourself as a filmmaker, now I know like during COVID you were trying to work on some things in a workout and Prodigy had a really good kind of momentum behind it, COVID hit. And, but now you've got this film out under the influence. So what's 
what do you think is going to be next for you? Are you going to try to jump into the next thing straight away uh, as soon as like underneath yeah. has its um has its run, or are you um uh, I mean what's it, what's it what's it like for you now as an indie filmmaker um in, in Los Angeles and in Hollywood? Is it better than before? Worse? I'm really kind of curious about that. I mean, I think it depends on your situation. Um, I'm trying to make I'm 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 moving towards making the big push because I've you know in between things I've always been you know working this and that uh, like all over the industry in video games I've been some writing for animation and and directing in 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 that world too so you know I kind of you know to a certain extent you kind of have to take take what you can get but I'm I'm making an a conscious effort to not take so much time between my features from because I I have an idea for what I want to do next and it's kind of in an outline phase and I I want to once I get and get through this release and 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 get it out there, that's what I want to focus on whenever I have time to focus on it, and try to push to actually like yeah, dive in to make something in a you know uh, sooner rather than later. And I'm I'm making a big push to get um, management behind me now so that I can like take a step, take a step into you know bigger bigger budgets and like being able to attach a, a name to the project. So that I can, I can take that next step forward and and really make this, you know, really make this more than just a, something that I I do when I get the chance to. I want to be in the driver's seat, and so, yeah, it's it's a it's a it's a daunting road, but I, you know, with this coming out, it it really does feel like, you know, there's a I can see a path forward in, in that regard, um, and if it has some success, I think that there's going to be an opportunity for me to to take a step into, you know, this next thing I want to do, um, which isn't, it's not a huge project. It's still a, a pretty doable project, but it, it, I could do it for a way, I could do it in a way that's a little less super independent and a little more, a little more low budget independent. <laughs> um, so that's, that's my plan. And, you know, I'm uh, obviously, again, the wind, the wind blows one way one day and another way the next day. So I, I'm, I can't, you know, I, I can't control that all the time, but I, I feel pretty confident right now that I'm, I've got some momentum behind me and I, if I can keep that wind in my sails. I'm, I'm going to actually like, yeah, absolutely drive towards trying to make, trying to get shooting my next project in the next, in the next year. Well, I, I can't wait for that to happen because I'm so happy to see that you're back out there with Under the Influencer. Um, if you people look now over at Rotten Tomatoes, you can see that big 100% mark next to it. Everyone who's reviewed it has loved it, including myself. My review will be up there soon. That's 100% still going to be up there. Um, I really <laughs> recommend people check this movie out on digital on demand. So, Alex, whereabouts on digital can people um, watch Under the Influencer? Um Amazon is probably the best and most ubiquitous place that, that people watch, but it's everywhere. It's iTunes, it's Google, um, Voodoo, all those, all the streaming services have it. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm really excited to get it out there. I think with Prodigy, my favorite part of the process was actually getting it out into the world because I felt, I felt like it was a movie that, that resonates more with real people rather than movie people. And I think coming from kind of the middle of the country and and that being my upbringing, I feel like I have a, a a read on on what the average folk like. And I think that this is another movie that that I think real people are gonna like 
even more than movie people, which so far people, movie people have been liking it. So that's, <laughs> it's a good sign, but yeah, I'm, I'm really excited to get out there and, and kind of see what the reception is from a broader audience.